guys! Welcome to episode 8 of Something Private, the podcast. The podcast is about everything related to the vagina, from sex to health and of course to society. And that's what I say at the start of every episode before I start rambling on about everything surrounding the vagina. But for this episode, I'm going to be talking specifically about the vagina, the physical thing, and the hair on it. I have to, to, to make a clarification here. There is a huge difference between what a vagina is and what the vulva is. That's Dr. Jeshwin Sinu. She's a cosmetic gynecologist from Insing Medical. The work that we do in our clinic is largely based around sexual medicine. We also do work that caters towards women's health and uh, men's health. So your vagina is the canal that, that protrudes inwards into your body and it has a hole which you can appreciate when you touch the area of your vulva. But your vulva is involves the skin that forms the, the fatty lips. And then when those lips close over, you have hidden inside there your clitoris, your little labia. And then you have your vaginal opening and even your urine hole opening. That area is called the vulva. You know how like you have your mouth in your face and then your, 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 the internal part of your mouth is like what we call the mucosa, right? It's, it's, it's thin, it's, it's mucousy, it's slimy. And when you look at a woman's vulva, you have the skin and the skin sort of like blends into this mucousy, slimy area. And it's not like your mouth where you can seal it up with your lips. With the vulva, it's almost like, you know, a very gradual transition from hard skin to a mucosa, which is soft and slimy. So how do you manage uh, an area like that, which is uh, delicate? But mind you, in saying that it's delicate, it's also um, pretty formidable skin, you know. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) It manages quite a lot. (laughs) So I decided this topic deserves an episode on its own because the business of hair removal and aftercare is huge. It's worth multi-millions. Pretty huge for an industry that thrives on the basis of our insecurities about being a mammal, that is to have hair. But as we all know, it's much more complicated than that. I'll admit that I succumb to the societal pressure of hair removal myself. I really can't imagine menstruating with a bush down below or walking around like in Southeast Asian heat with a carpet under my arms. But at the same time, nobody really taught me the etiquette of grooming or after hair removal care. Which are arguably important because... How many of us have not experienced lumps, bumps, abrasions from having hair removal? They say up to 60% of women who remove hair will suffer genital abrasions, will suffer from ingrown hairs. And uh, it it is important that these sort of things, boils, uh, especially in the vulva area, is seen by doctors. Because when you attempt to remove it yourself, you're not going to do it in a means that is sterile. You're going to introduce infections because you've created an opening. And any opening is a conduit, you know, for more and more bugs to get in, HPV to get in, viruses to get in. So a lot of us know how to handle things like, you know, uh, skin problems that are outside the area of the vulva. But the vulva nonetheless is a skin. It is important that you care for that area of the body because it is part of you anyway. Just like you'd wash your face, you'd wash your bum, you'd wash the rest of your body. You would want to wash that area of the body as well and keep it clean. And Dr. Jess is right. Take it from the mother of grooming herself, Cynthia Chua from Spa Esprit Group. For those of you unfamiliar, Cynthia Chua owns the OG vaccine parlour here in Singapore. Strip. In 2018, she's cleverly realised that the next big thing after hair removal is after hair removal care. And so she came up with a product line for vulva care which is called Tulips. Pretty smart. Strip started 2002. A few years ago, my staff were complaining. Oh my gosh, we have no more hair. The city is literally cleaned up. Very hard to get any more hair to zap. So we have town hall meeting where we 
talk to the therapist about what kind of problems the customers face and there's always been oh yeah we uh, lots of problems being discussed about the intimate area or the dark groins ingrown hair problems the skin is dry it's a uh, they they want rejuvenation so it's really a natural progression of hair remover hearing all the grouses of what's next no more hair and then now we are plagued with all these problems with the skin related to the intimate area it's all this that i feel like you know um tulips was born but is there a real need for after hair removal care my basic thing is that if you're manipulating it if you're removing hair from that area then yes you would probably want to look after it because with any manipulation any hair removal comes effects mm. and there can be side effects when you uh shave uh wax or sugar or look there's so many other ways isn't IPL, it, to remove hair there's yeah. IPL there is uh, depilation with creams and foams uh whichever method you have used to remove hair from there the best thing to do is to then uh, moisturize the area and to of course exfoliate on a regular basis and when we say exfoliate, we don't mean take a brush or, you know, and scrub it hard. Okay, so I'm, I'm really curious also because, like, I personally, I do shave by myself. But mm. I haven't, I don't know, it just never occurred to me to take any aftercare, like, measures. So now when you're telling me I should moisturize it and, like, exfoliate, I'm wondering what products or, like, methods should I do this and what kind of moisturizer is good. I know scented ones are definitely a, a no but do they have those in like the market in Singapore? Can I can I use those that I use for my face, for instance? With how much products there is in a pharmacy, right? You get spoiled for choice and sometimes you get very lost with regards to what to choose. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> exactly. Look, I get confused as well. We would suggest not using things that are scented. And when you use things that are scented, it's because there's a probable likelihood that you could develop uh, an allergic reaction to it. Your skin might not like it so much. Bearing in mind that you've just had removal done, you've traumatized that area. Yeah. And these are, these are micro traumas, very, very little bits of traumas. But nonetheless, there is some degree of small breaks in the skin. Mm. And when you were to introduce a chemical onto that area, especially when it contains scent or scented particles, you can have what we call an inflammatory reaction. So go with... Uh, um, medical grade moisturizers you know like in the pharmacies they're very simple stuff they're available everywhere even in the supermarket or like set the fill yeah kind of common common stuff like that so just go if you're gonna look for something just look for something uh non-scented and not ointment based because ointments are heavy and they're oily mm -hmm. you just want a cream to provide enough moisture not something which is heavy and oily mm. and you can apply that uh, some of my uh, patients do ask me, hey, what about Vaseline? You know, yeah. the good old Vaseline. Uh, why not? But not on the day of your uh, yeah. of your hair removal because the pores are so open. Mm. So if you're just going to, you, you're going to apply a thick dollop of moisturizer over it, especially when it's very oil-based and it's ointment and heavy, yeah. you can block some of those pores up. Mm. So, you know, you, you leave it on the day of your um, uh, hair removal and maybe in the next two days, you can start applying a little bit of moisturizer mm. to just uh, uh, keep the, the barrier intact. How about like aloe vera? You know that <coughs> big type of like aloe vera gel? Does that count as well? It's fine. Those okay. things are fine. But, you know, with aloe vera, there's a lot of aloe vera in the market. So you go for pure aloe vera gel. Mm. So take a look. Always take a look at the ingredients that you're seeing because a lot of these things, they are aloe vera scented or they, they have a very small quantity of aloe vera, but they're not pure aloe vera gels. 
as a daily routine care you could moisturize that area just like how you would moisturize your face daily you could moisturize your uh the skin of your vulva not the parts that are uh, moist like the inside of your mouth that part doesn't need moisturizing it's good on its own it's self-moisturizing uh pretty much self-cleansing like we say the vagina is and often during showers all you need to do is open your lips up and put your fingers through and just rub what we call smegma which is like you know the, the dirt that accumulates the yellow dirt that accumulates just rub that off it doesn't need anything special done to it so is there a medical reason to why we should shave or like we should not shave to shave or not to shave? Yeah, that's the <laughs> that's question. I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> well, shaving and uh, hair removal. There's there's plenty of reasons why uh, people do it. It's like the the modern day expectation of women about how having uh, lesser hair or or hairlessness is a sign of attractiveness and this is an expectation that we have set society has set for itself hairlessness equals attractiveness hairlessness equals femininity hairlessness equals uh, cleanliness this is not saying this is what i believe many women whom whom i've seen and i have asked and when we examine them uh, we note that you know they they have gone for some form of uh, pubic hair removal and sometimes I do ask my patients out of curiosity, just, just tell me, so why, why, why do you remove um, hair from that area of your body, from your pubic area? And some people do partial hair removal. Some people do total hair removal. Some people only like to remove the bikini area and not the rest of it. And people have various reasons. And some of the reasons I want to share with you, they'll say things like, oh, um, some of my women say, oh, it feels softer when I remove it. Other women go, oh, I masturbate quite a bit. So it allows me to, it feels more delicate when I touch myself. And, I, and it makes perfect sense. Yes. Others go, I engage in quite a lot of oral sex. And I feel like it's, uh, it's easier for me to appreciate the touches from my partner during oral sex when I have no hair there. Other people, it's more a play on the mind. They feel more comfortable when there's no hair there, when their partners are performing uh, cunnilingus or oral sex on them. Others tell us things like, oh, it's an expectation from my partner. And partner expectation is actually a very strong reason why people do uh, hair removal. If I were to look just at biology alone and say, hey, for your vulva skin, taking into consideration just your vulva skin, is it good to shave? I would say... No, it's not good to shave. But are you just a vulva? Obviously not. You are a person living in a social context with social expectations, self-expectations, partner expectations. Giving in to that, we, says, yeah, we say, I don't think it's a bad thing to shave because uh, you would like that for yourself to have uh, hairlessness. But if you do shave, these are the precautionary measures. Personally, I have shifted to trimming uh, in areas which I know other people can't see and I don't need a super clean shave in those areas but I just don't I do not like the idea of uh, a lot of long hair so I just trim and that's my personal preference so we do advise some girls you know what you can do is that you can use a single blade razor rather than a have you seen these razors they have like double triple blades Sometimes I've always wondered why is there four blades five blades six blades and I never understood it until I figured out that it's used to cut closer so if the first blade miss the I second see. blade goes second blade miss the third oh. blade goes and gets it closer and closer and closer to the skin so it's what they call a clean shave <laughs> so we don't if you don't need a super clean shave in areas where you know nobody can see like for example areas that are covered by your swimwear 
and you're not too conscious about it, but you just like, you just don't like the, the, the heavy hair effect, then go for a trim in those areas and go for a clean shave around the bikini line. That way you reduce the amount of pubic hair removal damage mm. that you get. So answering the question to shave or not to shave, I say that if you'd like to have hair removal and shaving is the option you're going for because number one, it's cheap. You can do it in the privacy of your own home. You don't need to expose your genitalia to a hair removal therapist and you treasure and respect that kind of privacy for yourself. Then go right ahead and shave. Ask yourself whether you can take trimming as an alternative in other areas of your vulva and then know how to care for the skin. Every time you shave, you apply trauma to that area. So every time you traumatize that area, it is easy to cause the cells on your vulva to change. And this is when we talk about dysplasias. And what in the world is that word? Is when you cause the cells to become unhealthy and abnormal. And whenever you cause microtrauma to your vulva, you introduce infections. And we're not just talking about bacterias. In this day and age, everyone's talking about HPV. What is HPV? The human papilloma virus that causes things like warts and cancers. Can you get abnormal cells on your vulva? We all know about cervical cancers, right? But can you get abnormal cells on your vulva from HPV? And can you get vulval cancers? Yes, it's a real thing. So... Uh, the aftercare is important, the type of blades that you use is important, uh, how often you change your blades, we encourage disposable ones. So use it the one time and, and, and toss it away and go for a brand new one. And they're not, they're not uh, difficult to get. The prep is very important, so it's to moisturize that area a little bit. So when you apply a blade, the blade doesn't get too close to the skin and the skin is not so dry such that it abrades it. Mm. So the prep, mm. when you shave, single blade. And then after you shave, the aftercare. It's really interesting. I also think that like, I don't know, it's a societal expectation that even I can't escape. I feel very uncomfortable if I were to have sex without shaving first. I don't know why. It's just something that I can't There expect. is nothing wrong with it. Yeah, but I don't know. I think it's just... It's a... popular culture, right? Yeah. We, we, we change according to what's expected. We change according to what the cur- current cultural scene is. Mm. And uh, that's how we evolve. Mm. So there is no questioning whether that's right or wrong. Mm. The whole point is how do we deal with the after effects of it? Mm. And if there's a way to manage it, or there is an alternative, then go for the alternative which is less harmful, mm. provided it is within your budget. And uh, if it's not within your budget, then uh, learn the ways to, to reduce the amount of harm that it can cause you. Something Private is a podcast produced by VFM. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, CastBox and many more. We want to keep having more conversations about female health, but we need you guys to be involved. Share this episode or podcast series with your friends, family, or anyone with a vagina, essentially. Be sure to join our Telegram channel and Instagram page at somethingprivatepod. Drop me a DM at somethingprivatepod. Let's keep on having these conversations out loud. one thing I kind of want to talk about is also this whole idea of hair Some, can sometimes be quite political, you know. So there's this whole movement towards like growing it out. There are a lot of people in like, for example, China who say that, you know, it's a very Western ideal, this whole like anti-hair and like to be completely clean. Why are we importing that mindset over to Asia? And then some people on the extreme end also say that, you know, by being hairless, we're trying to fit ourselves into this idea of like femininity that is constructed by like the patriarchy you know I personally hate that 
oh, all women should be a size zero, we should just eat asparagus, we cannot feast our chakwitya or whatsoever. Uh, we are like being so personified into that, you know, uh, society stigma, we all should look like that. This is the epitome of beauty. Uh, everybody should be really fair, Asians should look like that, we should all be very skinny. You know, I think it's not about putting pressure and a formulated way of how somebody should look. If you think that you want to have a bush under your arm and you feel good about it, by all means. But there will be a population that say, no, I want to remove my hair. And where do I go? And can I have an option? You know, it's not to put pressure to say that if you do a rosewood vagination, you'll get the most beautiful vulva. I think every vulva is unique. But there are women battling with skin problems that is affecting their confidence to go out, to date somebody, to wear a nice lingerie, these are areas that we could help. We're here to offer choices because we see real problems that the women face and they can't talk about. So I think rather than seeing it as a social stigma, it's about addressing problems that people really face and we're here to offer solutions. But we're not here to say, oh, if you don't do a rosebud vagination, that you don't fit my bill. No, by all means. I think I celebrate um, honesty, purity about being who you are and loving yourself. But there are people who can't love themselves because they have got problems. And that's where strip and tulip stand in. So I think it's about individuality. And I think we respect that. And every woman is beautiful in their own way. Everybody has a desired state of beauty or your final art of living. How you get the notion whether you're pressurized by the society or whatever, a lot is about yourself or so. Mm. So I can't answer for the masses where everybody comes, how many of them are pressurized. But generally, if it's a commercially viable business and it's thriving, means that people want it and people come back. Maybe first time they feel pressurized, they come and do it. After that, would you subject yourself to the discomfort just because you're pressurized? I think not everybody is doing that because you're pressurized. I think a lot of people do it because is part of their grooming routine right now mm. and they feel good about it they feel good about looking after themselves mm. yeah and they come regularly on their own accord I, I, I don't think they're forced by their partner or whatever mm. yeah but there's more awareness which means it breeds more curiosity more people are coming to try it um, that's perhaps the pressure that you maybe talk about but after one time I think if they really don't like it they, they wouldn't, wouldn't come continue, back. Yeah. yeah. My marketing campaign has never put pressure on people. Mm, it's true. about offering people a choice. I think as uh, someone driving the business, I find it responsible. Like I, I don't want to say that this is what you need to do. It's not a shame you kind of thing, you know, but it's rather this is available and this is an option. So I think I can play my own part by not putting pressure on people to say, wow, we are starting this Rosebud Vagination uh, Members uh, Club. If you're not in it, then you're not the elite or anything like that. Or if you have arm hair, that's not acceptable. You know, so I think the message has always been, there are a lot of people with that kind of problems. They want help and they need somewhere to go to. Yeah, so I think because it's also linked with the commercial aspect, people like to say, wow, you're making this underarm hair. Why can't people have half arm hair or armpit hair? Why shouldn't that be so horrible or whatsoever? Well, maybe perhaps when Julia Robert had it, people would still say it's very cool. Mm. So I think it's really your own confidence. Mm. Yeah, you can carry it off. You have bushy eyebrows, but that's like, wow, virgin brows and it's so cool. I think everybody has a personality that could carry off something. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be succumbed to, to society pressure about 
this and that but naturally with strip joining the force of hair removal it's very easy to kind of like put you into that that oh wow are you putting so, uh, pressure on women that they should have a uh, uh, hair free arm everything should be so smooth and whatsoever I think it's really a personal choice mm-hmm. we are offering an option to women who want this service yeah but any of our ad campaigns were very careful every vulva is unique mm. you know there is no one best vulva or whatsoever but the women are battling with problems that they are conscious about and they need help and we feel uh, that uh, we are in that you know strength to be able to to help them being in that industry mm. so yeah just be yourself if you prefer to have underarm hair by all means <laughs> you know you can carry it and still look really cool mm-hmm. you're happy with it mm-hmm. by all means if you don't want to wax and things like that by all means yeah it's about you it's about you being happy but if you want help there are choices available out there in any situation when someone is partnered up mm. uh, however the agreements are made provided both people are aligned in that partnership that's what counts. Mm-hmm. So if both are in agreement that, you know, uh, I quite I quite like the intimacy we have when there's no hair getting in the way. Who's to say that's right or wrong? That's mm-hmm. their agreement. If you're doing something because your partner wants you to do it, but you're unhappy about it, then that wouldn't be the right way to do it. But mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're removing your hair because your partner says he likes it when uh, the hair is trimmed or removed or completely taken off... And if that makes you enjoy your intimate moments with your partner more, makes you more confident as well, makes you feel clean. And I know you mentioned societal pressures, but that's how it is, isn't Mm. it now? And there is nothing wrong. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. The whole point is how do you care for the area so you don't end up having the harmful side effects from hair removal? Mm. Because how many of us have not experienced lumps, bumps, abrasions from having hair removal? They say up to 60% of women who remove hair will suffer genital abrasions, will suffer from uh, ingrown hairs. And do you know how many percent end up with doctors? To, to look after these issues that they have Only 4% uh. I was going to say 2% close. Oh, You're very close <laughs> You can count okay. now on one hand <laughs> So yeah. they're dealing with it on their own yeah. And and I I know women who will pop their own pimples oh there And squeeze it Because Why we go This is already a very intimate area yeah. And it's called a private part for a reason It's a, it's a private zone for yeah. you But women should not feel that they're unable Or men, uh, men who remove hair So should not feel that they're unable to go and seek some help mm with regards to this we need to expand and broaden our view on these sort of things like mm. you know we, we we have to be able to uh, come out and say that I'm willing to uh, see someone for my intimate issues so you know if you notice anything on your vulva that, that is inappropriate you're not sure you, you just oh, don't, don't hesitate to hop into a doctor's clinic to ask because number one there is no stupid question number two by asking you're just only receiving education if you're unsatisfied with the answer answer ask again ask someone else Mm. until you go okay i feel i feel good now i've done enough and i'm rest assured that this is not something i need to worry about i think it's great to have a group of girlfriends where you can discuss such intimate things with it's very fortunate for girls who do have that kind of uh, group of girls Uh, and of course you know the girls out there who keep a lot of things to themselves and they Mm. don't have a group of girlfriends to discuss it with so it's nice so when you're more aware of your body you're more aware of problems that can happen with Mm. it I agree, I agree. And those who don't have, I guess, like friends, they can listen to the podcast. Yeah, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> that was such a shameless plug. <laughs> okay. Well, you're doing it for yourself and that's important. If you do anything, you do it for yourself. <laughs> My biggest thing is 
don't go to beauty parlors mm. for hair removal because they're not using lasers mm. they're using IPL mm-hmm. yes it's cheaper and I can understand the pressure of cost and um, if you're gonna do it be aware of the possibility of risks uh, with lasers whenever you apply lasers on the skin uh, you've got to make sure that your doctors ask you the right question which is have you ever had herpes Mm-hmm. in your vulva area in your genital area so if you've had painful blisters and ulcers and you've had herpes there before it is very possible for laser to reactivate Ooh. the herpes virus and the virus comes out to play again so you know that your esthetician is doing a good job if he's asked you that question I see. have you ever had herpes and if you don't get asked that question uh, you either <laughs> offer that information straight up before he applies the laser on you because you're going to get a reactivation because often and I don't do laser hair removals in my clinic just because I don't have the machine but I always ask my patients in which I apply lasers for other reasons and um, I we do ask them have you had herpes before and if they say yes we do put them uh, we do start them with antivirals for a few days before we apply the laser so that it calms the, the virus down and it doesn't let the virus come out mm. and give you problems because why would you want to suffer with the side effects after applying right, the laser? You right. want to have a comfortable time after having had the laser done. Question here is that if you'd like to do it, know how to do it right, right? Know how to do it right, know how to look after it. We're talking about hair removal here, regardless of whether it is shaving or waxing or epilation or uh, what not have you, laser hair removals. So to sum up this episode on mowing the lawn, the conclusion is do what you please. Of course, if you choose to shave or not shave, Always do things in a safe and informed manner. If you are a stubborn broke bitch like me who insists on shaving regularly, then make sure you opt for shaving with a single blade razor, um, getting the proper preparation steps in place before you shave, and then for your aftercare, get something, get a moisturizer that is unscented and non-oiment based. Remember, nobody can force you to do something that you don't want to do. So that's all for today's episode, guys. I'll see you guys next week. Bye!